0: Now, we're going to back into our focus today, and uh, we're going to end up talking about mom. But, but before we do that, we're going to do some learning and some growing. So let's go to Romans chapter 16 and verse 1. And Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister. Can anyone say sister? Sister. 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 Okay, five of you are in the room this morning. Sister. sister. All right. Paul is writing one of the most important books he would ever write in his entire lifetime. And in this message, he takes time to applaud several people, but I want you to notice at the top of his list was a female. This was a woman who put her ear to her heart and heard God say, you got this girl who is a servant of the church in Centuria. Literally, servant there is the word deacon. And I don't really like it when uh, translations take liberty like like this. The term elsewhere is is typically translated deacon, but here it's kind of diagonally translated servant. And it's really not fair. Women clearly had leadership roles in the early church. In fact, it's even likely, and most scholars say this, that it was Phoebe that carried this letter to Rome. Verse two, watch Paul's instructions, that you may receive her in the Lord, watch this, in a manner worthy of saints. So under the unction of the Holy Spirit, God required that this woman be honored. Ladies, others may not see the good in you. Some men may not see the good in you, but don't get mad at them. Hug them because life is difficult for the blind. All six of you gave me an amen. Never let your insecurities Cause you to miss out in celebrating the good and the gifts in others. Outside the reason of, of love, you know, I, I love my wife and, and that's, of course, the, the, the top cause. But beyond that, the reason I was married was because I knew my children would need someone other than me. And the differences between man and women are what makes Each of us so necessary. And watch what he says about this woman and assist her in whatever. This is carte blanche. This is whatever. He trusted this woman and whatever business she has need of you. So this woman not only carried on business for the church, it seems that she also directed it. And here's the deal, though. Here's the caveat. I have no problem with a strong woman as long as you're comfortable with a strong man. Okay, I heard a few more amens. Any relationship where you have to be less in order for the other person to feel like more is not healthy. Paul is speaking, for indeed she has been a helper of many and this word helper is important, I'm gonna to get to that in a second. And of myself also. Now the term translated helper there literally means benefactor or champion. One who defended another. So in some way, this lady had protected the apostle. And it's true in that, that, that saying that behind every great uh, man is somewhere, somewhere back there is a great woman. Why? Because there's some things that only a, a, a woman can bring out of a man, but likewise, there are other things only a man can bring out of a woman. Yes, we need each other. Yes. Paul then spends the next 20-plus verses celebrating people, commending people, saluting people, encouraging folks to stay connected, to stay in relationships with Paul too. People mattered. But let's skip to our place of focus today. Verse 13. Paul says this. Greet Rufus. Now, if you're my age, when you hear the, the term Rufus, you think shaka khan, shaka khan. How many? you? Yeah, okay. But this was not a funk band that he was referring to. But, but, a, but, but a, a, a person who had a father that had a very special place in sacred history. Let's go there. Mark 15 and 21. Then they called or compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. Now, I used to teach more on these things years ago. And God willing, I I want to one day do a series uh, on Africans in the Bible. But watch this they compelled a what? Certain man. So this man was not a myth and he was not the result of legend, but a very certain and literal person. In a moment, we're even going to discover his family. Simon, a Cyrenian. Now, Siren or Cyrene was in North Africa, modern day uh, uh, Libya. And, uh, what we see in the scripture is very important. Most people do not realize that the gospel went south before it went north. We have the Ethiopian eunuch. We have all different types of things happening. Even the great church fathers, whether it's Athanasians or Augustine, these were African fathers and and a lot of folks don't realize that our roots uh, don't only extend into Europe, but they also go deep into Africa and, of course, the, the Middle East and the rest. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon A. Cyrenian. Now, why does the Bible mention this man's ethnicity? You know, ink was scarce and only so much could be said in the Bible, So if the Bible mentions this, it must be important. Why did he mention it? Because it mattered. Simon was a man of color. And God knew that some of us at one point in history would need to see ourselves in the Bible. So he added some of these small points to let us know we're all included at the cross. The father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, Mark wrote his gospel in Rome. Most of us may be aware of this. And his, his target audience seemed to be really the, the, the Roman people. Thank God that, that, you know, actually we're part of that same Western world, even though we're, we're not there. But, but this is why in Mark, he doesn't begin with all the Jewish genealogies that, that we typically see. But it, it seems that Simon's family at some point came to faith. And when the Christians were driven out of Jerusalem, he went with the, or his family went with the other Christians and they went north uh, uh, to or, or even west to, to, to Rome. And Mark's son or mentions here, Alex and Rufus, the son of, uh, of Simon. Why? Because the, the church in Rome was very familiar with them. So basically, he took something that they were familiar with, these two boys, and connected them to the father so they could inquire of these two boys, what actually happened with your father? They compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, a father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and what? Passing by. So this man was just minding his business. All this guy was doing was trying to get by, trying to get to where he was going. And then he kind of happened upon He just came upon this horribly mangled man carrying a cross. And some of the greatest opportunities in our lives will come when we least expect them. And this man that just kind of bumped into happenstance this man with no intentionality, this man just trying to get to what was next in his life. They compelled him to bear his cross. And what I know about people is you really don't know people until you see them in pain. That's really when you get a sense of who people are. And Simon here has an up-close and personal front row seat with the creator of the universe taken on flesh. Here's the question. Did Jesus speak to Simon as he walked? Did Simon get a chance to look into the eyes of the master on the way to the cross? Did Simon hear his groans? What did it feel like to carry the weight of that cross? What did it feel like to touch the reality of that instrument that would change all of human history? Now we're ready for our focus. Romans 16, 13. Greet Rufus, the son of the man who carried the cross. But watch this next statement, chosen in the Lord. If you're familiar with your Bible, he's not speaking here about election or, or us all being chosen in Christ Jesus as we learn in the book of Ephesians. Paul was saying that this, that this man, Rufus, had become eminent among the Christians in Rome. This man was a great leader in the city. He was a choice. This word "chosen" means choice servant of God. Greek Rufus chosen in the Lord. The boys who, who whose daddy got closest to, to, to Jesus on the cross became the most celebrated advocate of the man who died. You see, in creation, we all see God's glory, but it's only at the cross. We get to see God's heart. And this man was up close and personal. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and, watch this, his mother, again behind every good man. Somewhere there's a good woman. Now, maybe by this time, Simon had passed away but obviously mama still made sure all of her kids were in the church watch these next verse or these next words his mother and mine paul not only had hebrew friends pay attention here but he considered this african woman his spiritual mother paul practiced what he preached and by this time Paul was probably in his 50s. But even grown men still need to acknowledge mom. Fathers are important, we need dads. But there's certain touches that only a mother's touch can fix. He said, "His mother and mine." There's a story That's been told about Thomas Edison, Thomas Alvin Edison. You know, the father of electricity, the phonograph, uh, uh, the telegraph, uh, uh, the light bulb. And here's the story: One day, Thomas Edison came home from school, and the teacher gave him a letter that he said, "Hey, this is only for your mother to read," and. When he got home, he gave his mom the letter. And his mother, with tears in her eyes, she she read the letter first, read the letter to her her son. And she's crying. This is how she read it. Your son is a genius. The school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers to train him. Please teach him yourself at home. He was homeschooled. Many years after Thomas Edison died, he was cleaning out a closet in his own family home. And he came upon the letter that he handed his mom. The letter she read with tears in her eyes. And he opened it up. And this was the message written on the letter. Your son is mentally ill. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He is expelled. Edison, when he read the letter, became emotional. He began to weep and he cried. And that night he wrote in his diary these words. Thomas Alva Edison was a mentally ill child. Who, with a mother's love, turned into the genius of the century. Hallelujah. His mother, Paul says, and mine. Might have been that when they rejected Paul. You know, when you turn to Jesus from Judaism and claimed him as Messiah, your family would have a funeral for you and you would be rejected. You you, you would be outcast for the rest of your life. Maybe this is why, because to be part of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. Maybe this is why he no longer had a wife. Maybe he was divorced. Maybe they were separated. His family probably had, again, forsaken him. But Rufus was paying attention, and Rufus took Paul home, knowing that he needed mother. And she might have gave him fresh clothes, a nourishing meal, the comforting words that only a mother can give. I can imagine Rufus's mom taking the, the young apostle by his, his, his face. He was hurting. Alone, this new faith, this new revelation. He was at one time destroying Christians. Now he's changed his mind and people think that, that he's gone nuts and he's seeing visions of, of Jesus. I can imagine Rufus' mom taking the, 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 the great apostle by his, his faith and saying, baby, everything's going to be okay. And there's some things that only a mother can do. And he mothered the apostle to emotional and spiritual health. Hallelujah. God. He said, his mother, Rufus' mom, but also mine. Yes. It's important. God always provides. Yes, all the time. Always. But sometimes he sends it in ways we would least expect it. Don't be too proud to allow the position you hold, the person you think you are. Because after a chess game, the king and the pawns go back into the same box. Rufus was willing to share his mother with another. And Apostle Paul was humble enough to accept. You know, Jesus was born in a borrowed womb. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb. You may be part of a blended family. You, you may be like Rufus's mom, a single mother. It, it may be that you couldn't have children at, at all. But we learn from this passage you can still lend someone your love. His mother and mine. One of the greatest things we can do is share the love that God's provided for each of us. I want to Read one more verse. I think this kind of wraps up everything I've kind of said at this quiet Mother's Day (laughs) message. Isaiah 49 and verse 15. God speaks of himself as a mother in various places in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here's an important passage. Isaiah says by the Holy Spirit, can a woman forget her nursing child. When a woman's nursing, my wife's had two babies. Even if she didn't want to be bothered with the child, she couldn't forget her child because her milk would remind her. And there were moments when our children didn't really want a lot of milk or, or maybe her body was just producing more milk than they could eat at the time. And she would have to lay there with hot towels on her breast because they were so full of milk, it hurt. And God likens his love for you and I to an engorged woman, a woman who loves her child, but is limited, pay attention, by that child's appetite. Can a woman forget her nursing child? and not have compassion on the son of her womb." Now mothers are connected to children in a way that daddies can never really fully comprehend or understand. And I'm thinking about the logical thing, but she's feeling stuff. I'm thinking, well, the boy ought to, but she's like, oh, it's a whole different connection. Before I saw his face, he was, he was sharing her food, living in her belly, sharing her You hear me? She kind of introduced him to me, but, but, but he, she, she long knew him. You understand what I'm saying? Even before both of them came into this, this one, this relationship, she felt him kick. She she might even felt when he wasn't feeling so so good or or when he wasn't so happy. She felt him when he was little, felt him when he got so big. He kind of felt everything about this child. The, The mother and the child become one. She went nowhere without this child for nine months. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son that came out of her She said, as real as all that is, surely there's some crazy folk out there and there's some horrible things that have happened in this planet in this world. But as wired as a woman is to love that baby, take care of that baby. I mean, a a woman would would, would, would fight a a grown man, stop a moving car, get in front of a train to protect a child. Surely... They may forget, yet I will never, ever, ever forget you. God used a mother's love to explain his love for you and I. Now, I call God Father, but we get, it it takes both a man and a woman. The Bible teaches in early Genesis, we're not going to cover all that now, but to show the image of God in, in the home, it takes both. A man does not fully display the image of God. A woman cannot fully display the image. It takes both of us to reflect the compassion, the strength, the commitment of God toward his children. Surely they may forget. because But I will never forget you. I felt like the Lord was saying to me this Sunday morning in this simple message, I believe it's a word of the Lord for each of you. I felt him saying, my breasts are engorged. I have more for you than you even have an appetite for. I've been wanting to give you things that you've not yet been able to receive. And it's not, you don't have, not not because I didn't want to. You hadn't opened your mouth yet Jesus. to take. That's what is only for you. God is in heaven engorged wow. with nourishment and strength and life, warmth, embrace, a mother's touch. He's in heaven feeling pain, hurting with his desire that we might receive. Everything he has for each of us.